Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. And welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Sarah McDonald, that would be you. Hello, and as always, we are joined by producer Annabelle Lee, who's doing a little head dance. Hi. Hi, (laughs) Guys, coming up on today's show, well, there's a lot. So much, we're about to bring you the world's most jam-packed, quick and dirty, maybe ever. We're talking Kylie Jenner's new baby, the potential end of iconic iconic Aussie TV show Neighbours, an uncomfortable update on Army Hammer, a royal typo to end all royal typos, and then World War Kardashian. Kanye and Kim air their grievances on social media, and how do we make sense of it all? But first, Zara, how was your week? Firstly, I do love this line, we're about to bring you the world's most jam-packed quick and dirty, because no one else in the world does quick and dirty. (laughs) (laughs) It is just shameless's biggest quick and dirty, but that is fine. Also, it's totally going against the concept of quick and dirty yeah. where like we'll make it slow and clean no, big oxymoron my week was good michelle i think we're heading into maybe our 10th or 11th day straight hanging out we are which is quite a feat if i may <laughs> i did want to bring something up with you and annabelle truthfully i'm glad you're here because i think it's wonderful to have a third person to act as mediator oh, no. for something that i want to raise but we went to a friend's <laughs> wedding on the weekend and michelle and i were driving down to this wedding with our partners and we were talking. Where is this going? And we were talking about weddings in the car. Naturally, you're on the way to a wedding talking about weddings. Yeah. And I said in the car to the other three people, "Oh God, I get so nervous thinking about my prospective wedding because I know that if I end up walking down an aisle, I will be bawling my eyes out. Not because I." I'm feeling anything particularly meaningful because I cry when I get embarrassed. And I then proceeded to say to the car, because I also really don't like attention. (laughs) 
and you have responded in exactly the way that they have. And we they, lost it, Annabelle. They just lost it. Like, they couldn't even look at me. And I said, Doesn't what? like attention, she reckons. Well, this is the thing. It's like, oh, my God, my perception of myself is so so completely at odds with other people's perception of me. Michelle and Ollie particularly were, like, crying. Classic Mitch being the nice guy. He was still laughing, though. Mitch was having a little chuckle but kind of being diplomatic, being like, maybe I can see both sides. Yeah, he, he can't be the one to be like, yeah, you bitch, you love it. But he can have a giggle. He can. In your defence, I think I, now that I've had a few days to sit with this, <laughs> I think I understand what you're getting at. It is different to rock up to work and talk to tens of thousands <laughs> or hundreds of thousands of people a day. Like that's a different thing to getting up in person in a long white dress or short white dress if that's your fancy. Probably in heels though. Or pink. In front, Or pink in front of all your family members and walk down an aisle. Like I understand that that particular task might be more daunting than what you do on a Monday. However, you must like a little bit of well, attention. Well, this is the thing. Do you think you can do this job in any way, shape or form and not like attention? Annabelle, you're doing this now. Do you like attention? I do. Yeah. But I think that you can be a kind of person that isn't like characterised by craving attention. I think yeah. you're not that. But you did create a podcast, which is saying something. We're yeah. not saying you're a full-blown narcissist. We're Sorry, just admitting that probably like it's, it's an unavoidable fact. To be in a gig like this, you can't hate attention. Well, this is the thing because it's quite common for people to say I really don't like attention. I reckon heaps of our listeners would be listening to this saying I hate attention too. Are people wired to actually love attention naturally? Is that actually a thing? If people really check themselves, mm. do they actually hate it? That's what I want to know. I guess we'll ask tomorrow <laughs> on Your Safe Friday. <laughs> Apparently it's not me. I do have a recommendation for you. I am so sorry. I am just kind of piggybacking off my recommendation from last week. But I think it's so good that I need to do that. I want to recommend... Stephen Bartlett's Diary of a CEO interview with Mark Manson. Have either of you listened to this? No, no. but nice little repeat wreck from you. It's not a repeat wreck. He might just be the same main character in every recommendation, <laughs> which is Stephen Bartlett. No, this interview is, again, pretty on the theme for me for 2022. I, I don't know what is happening to me. I might as well become a life coach at this stage. Yeah. But this interview with Mark Manson, of course, he is the author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And I've never read that book, Mish. No. But I remember years ago when I was trying to make a relatively large life decision and you quoted back to me that very famous line of his where it was like, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. Oh, my God, I forgot that that was – I forgot that I did that to you. Do in you that remember moment. that conversation? Yeah, but that, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no, is one of the best pieces of life advice ever. Yeah, and I had kind of forgotten about that. And I've read and listened to a lot of Mark Manson's stuff, but I think there's something so important about checking back in with this kind of stuff mm. if you have found it helpful before. He spoke a lot about the difference between, like, a high and happiness – and I was like, oh, I needed this right now. Being like, I think people confuse happiness for a high, a high meaning maybe when something really good happens at work or maybe you get engaged or maybe there's a big party on the weekend that you're looking forward to when in reality happiness kind of exists around that. And like don't confuse those two things or else you'll be living a really unfulfilled life. And I was like, that is a really helpful piece of advice for my start of 2022. Yeah, I love that. I'm so in the mood for that right now Are as you? well. Well, this is the funny thing. I was going to talk about my week, but I'll be honest with the listeners. I have sweet fuck all to talk about <laughs> from my week. I do have a recommendation that kind of works in tandem to yours. Oh, Clearly good. we're in the same mental space, probably because we spend literally 24-7 together. Is it turning 28 this year? Annabelle, are you feeling like this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you are. <laughs> well, I'm in a bit of self-help 
motivational life coachy vibe as well. I went on a walk with my friend Laura this week and she said to me, one of the best podcasts she's ever listened to is Armchair Expert. But, but (laughs) Zara, because I know you don't like Armchair Expert. Hold on. The series, the 10 episode series hosted in 2021 by Kristen Bell and Monica Padman. So Dax Shepard, Nowhere to be seen. I okay. know you'll be a little bit. I don't dislike Jack Shepard. The listeners are well aware of my issues with that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast series within the Armchair Expert umbrella is epic and it doesn't have any of the issues that you have leveled at Armchair Expert before. They've done 10 eps with very cool women from Oprah Winfrey to Kim Kardashian West and like Malala. Like there are so many different kinds of women interviewed in this series. It's called We Are Supported By. I listened to the episode with Oprah Winfrey. She spoke a lot about people pleasing and saying no to opportunities sometimes instead of always saying yes. And I feel like that fits into what you just told us. Yes. And it should be fitting in more to your start of the year. How are your boundaries going? Uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. I think like when you got on this podcast and said 2022 is the year of us having boundaries, how have I done? I think all right. That's I'm just asking you. Well, <laughs> I wasn't an attack. So funny. As soon as you asked me that, I'm like, have I done something wrong? <laughs> because I'm a people pleaser, which is why I need to listen to that so, Oprah Winfrey chat. Yeah, that's so interesting. I got to say, hearing Oprah speak always reminds me of one of the greatest podcasts of all time. Do you remember that podcast that was made maybe in 2016? Sorry, this is just like a long list of recommendations now called Making Oprah. Yes. Oh, my God. That was a great that podcast was a gra- series. If people haven't listened to that, because I don't think that existed at a time when we were doing this show, mm. that is actually one of the all-time. It literally details how the Oprah Winfrey show came to be and why it became the biggest show in the world and she became the most famous person in the world. It is incredible. So... Fuck, you're welcome, guys. (laughs) Lots going on. Mish, we are starting today in a very different place because when we sat down to plan this episode, we thought there is so much we want to talk about that we are going to do the world's longest quick and dirty and launch right in. Yeah, because this is the funny thing, guys, and it might not make sense if you're outside the shameless media team. It will not make sense. But we do have like a code language within the team where we see a story and we go, it's not a segment one or a last segment. It is a quick and dirty story. And for whatever reason, this week was ripe with quick and dirty stories that would only fit in the quick and dirty. So congratulations to getting about eight stories. <laughs> I <think> about eight. <laughs> so without further ado. Oh, it's my quick and dirty. It's I your quick and dirty. <laughs> Michelle, um, oh dear. Oh dear <laughs> me. Life coach Andrews. Oh, they're getting so bad. <laughs> what have you got for me? I love that you say that as if they were ever good. Well, I think when we did them a bit more off the cuff, they were a little bit wittier than they are now. Okay. Some yeah. of them used to surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sick burn, Annabelle. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. And Annabelle, given you're full of criticism, oh no, you can come in every week. You're (laughs) responsible. We can throw to Annabelle. We pause. You have to fill the blank space. Go for it. Oh no, you're on. Yeah, and you'll forget next week, just like we do. (laughs) (laughs) What have you got for me? My first story. Kylie Jenner welcomed her second baby, a boy with Travis Scott. That is from Elle Australia. If you missed this on Monday Australia time. Kylie Jenner announced that she had given birth via her Instagram, sharing the birth date of her little boy, the 2nd of the 2nd, 2022. How is that for some numerology? Yeah, that's isn't that meant to be incredibly lucky? Oh, yes, it is. It I, is. I'm not entirely sure where that's come from, but I hear it's a lucky date. Is that because the number two is lucky in certain cultures? I think it's probably something to do with that. But lucky <laughs> anyway, a lucky child. 
I mean, I found it quite funny. Vulture, <laughs> Vulture's headline for this piece around this story, I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was going pretty wild on Twitter this week, was Kylie Jenner soft launches second child with Travis Scott. I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> is that That is, I guess, the definition of a soft launch. If we don't have a name or anything, we just have a little hand. Just call it announces. This is how, like, our language gets so annoying. Soft launches you, her baby. So, so do you find that headline views on annoying rather than funny? Way more annoying than funny. I find it funny more than annoying. <laughs> now, quick aside, did we know that Kylie Jenner is now the most followed woman in the world? She took over Ariana and Selena Gomez in 2021 with a total of 309 million followers. Yeah, I actually found that stat and I was wondering, who do you guys think has the most followers in the world? Kylie's the most followed woman. Who is, do you think oh, is the most followed person? I th- isn't it Ronaldo? Yes. Good job. I didn't know this. I think I'm a podcast <laughs> Yeah, that because I think I remember reading reading that a while ago and being surprised by it. And he's not just ahead. He's like a hundred million oh. followers ahead of Kylie Jenner. How many has he got? Four hundred well, three hundred and nine plus a hundred mil, about four hundred million. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Insane. <laughs> by the way, while we're here, Oracle prediction for Well, the I don't know if this is so much of an Oracle prediction as I am saying this all over. TikTok, there was a lot of speculation that the name is Valentine. Valentine. I saw a lot of speculation the name was Heaven. Oh. Which I could see her naming a girl Stormy and a boy Heaven. What are you laughing I at? Just, really? What Heaven? Mean? I don't mind. I mean, people call their kids Nevaeh, which is Heaven backwards. I would not mind betting. I haven't seen many Heavens people around. do that? It fits into yeah, the, Who does that? I know. Heaps of, I, Show us well, the receipt. I know one Nevaeh one time. Okay. But what I will say is if we look at Kardashian names, we've got Dream, we've got Saint, Heaven, and we've got Psalm. Heaven fits right in the remit of Kardashian names. Yeah, true. So what's next? Like purgatory. <laughs> Abby, is, is that is, good or not good? Not good. Not good. <laughs> is Valentine your final prediction? I think Valentine. A boring oracle I prediction. I literally don't know where I saw that. I just saw it online, so we'll say. <laughs> My second story. Spotify deletes 100 plus episodes of Joe Rogan's podcast after video surfaces of past racial slur. That is from SBS. So Joe Rogan is back in the news and so is Spotify. If you missed it, Joe Rogan has apologised after a video compilation was posted on the singer India Ari's Instagram account that showed him using racial slurs in clips from episodes over a 12-year span. Now, in a six-minute video posted to his Instagram account, the podcast host said that his use of the slurs was, and I quote, the most regretful and shameful thing that I've ever had to talk about publicly But he also said the clips had, and I quote, been taken out of context. It is not my word to use. I am well aware of that now, but for years I used it in that matter. I never used it to be racist because I am not racist. Yeah. So Spotify, as you guys heard in the headline, was compelled to delete more than 100 episodes of the show in the wake of the news, which is interesting. We only spoke about Joe Rogan last week and they had already deleted 40 episodes when he actually migrated onto Spotify exclusively. So now 140. 40 episodes have been taken down to what people deem to either be misinformation or hurtful language. Spotify CEO Daniel Ek also said in a message to employees on Sunday that Rogan's racist language was, and I quote, incredibly hurtful and that it was Joe Rogan's choice to actually pull those episodes down. Daniel Eck said, while I strongly condemn what Joe has said and I agree with his decision to remove past episodes from our platform, I realise some will want more. And I want to make one point very clear. I do not believe that silencing Joe is the answer. 
We hadn't heard that much from Daniel Ek in the last week or so. As our listeners will remember, we spoke about Joe Rogan last week, as you said, Mish, because people started accusing him of spreading COVID misinformation. And Spotify didn't come out particularly strongly about that, but they did say they weren't going to be removing him. This feels like a much stronger stance from Spotify saying no matter Almost no matter, would you say, Mish, what Joe Rogan does, he will stay on this platform for now. I don't agree with no matter what. If he got on tomorrow and did something that was wholly slammed, I don't think he's a protected species no matter what. I think for now they're hiding behind, well, this is what he did in the past. It's not representative of who he is today. He is still a protected species, though, more than the Mm. average, hey? More than almost anyone. As we said last week, there is a whole lot of money tied up for Spotify and Joe Rogan in terms of audience acquisition, and it's working for them. Mm. So... If a story like this isn't going to do it, I guess for me the thought is what eventually would. My third story, end of the road, long-running soap neighbours to stop filming. That is from the Sydney Morning Herald. So this week the British production company behind our long-running and much-loved soap Neighbours informed actors and crew back in Australia that the show will likely stop after it failed to reach a financial agreement with UK broadcast partner Channel 5. So if that's confusing anyone, I'm sure some of you know this, maybe not everyone does. Neighbours is an Australian program, but it's basically financially backed by UK companies, whether that is a UK television channel or a UK production company. Back home in Australia, it's on 10 Peach. It barely gets any commercial interest. It really doesn't get a go here. It survives because it thrives in the UK. Yeah, exactly. I think like this is actually a really sad story. And when I feel sad about this story, then I feel like a hypocrite because it's like, well, you haven't been watching it and supporting it for the last 20 years. Mm. So how can you feel sad about this? But it's true. We were kind of going back yesterday, Miss, (laughs) and like looking at old neighbours scenes, like really iconic neighbour scenes, and we were posting them on TikTok. So this is like not a deliberate plug, but we are on TikTok at shameless underscore podcast (laughs) if you want to watch some of these scenes. And I watched that show and just felt this pull, like this absolute nostalgic pull that I hadn't felt about Neighbours in years. Yeah, well, it's an interesting one. I haven't watched it since the Margot Robbie Donna Friedman era, but apparently some people have said it's not quite as spicy as what it used to be. The script writing isn't quite as meaty with the kind of twists and turns that a daily soap opera takes. So it'd be interesting to know if anyone still watches it and what their critique of the show would be now compared to maybe 10, 15 years ago. Executive producer Jason Herbison did write in an email on Sunday, our audience remains steady and Channel 10 would love the show to continue if we could find another broadcast partner to replace Channel 5. These discussions are ongoing. However, there is no new broadcaster at the moment and production must end effectively resting the show. So according to The Age or a source that spoke to The Age, each episode of Neighbours costs about $150,000 to produce. So it's obviously not a cheap production. What I also found interesting when I was digging into this is during the show's heyday when, and I think when we're talking about the heyday, I think one of the most watched episodes of all time of Neighbours was the wedding between Scott and Charlene. Charlene. (laughs) One of the greatest names. That was watched by an estimated 20 million people. That absolutely blew my socks off. Today it's still draws close to a million viewers a day across two screenings in the UK. And in Australia, it still kind of pulls in about 120,000 viewers a day. Mm. That was still a bit higher than I had thought it would be. Yes, same. Absolutely. I think we also can't forget 
how culturally relevant this show has been for more than 35 years. I mean, this was the launching pad for Kylie Minogue, Liam Hemsworth, Russell Crowe and Margot Robbie. Like this cannot be overstated how much Neighbours has done for actors internationally. And I think that's the trouble, right, for our art scene here. I mean, it's been a big conversation over the last two years about how our art sector has been absolutely decimated. But if we are really wanting to kind of produce some good homegrown talent, shows like Neighbours are Mm. kind of it between that and Home and Away. Like that is the training ground for actors. And if if this is the end of Neighbours, which I actually would be surprised if it was, surely someone picks it up, Mm. surely, then we don't have that anymore. But I guess it's a bit of a wait and see job. Yeah, we shall wait and see. My fourth story, Heidi Klum confirms bizarre rumour about her teeth. That is from news.com.au. Few layers going on in this story, team. Bear with me. Strap yourselves in. <laughs> I'm nervous as soon as I read out teeth. What are you nervous about teeth? For? I don't know. It's just so icky. Yeah, you must hate the dentist. <laughs> I do. I do, Annabelle. I didn't go for so many years. All right. During an interview with news.com.au's podcast, I've got news for you, which is actually produced by news.com.au. The host asked Heidi Klum about an online rumour that she carried a bag of her baby teeth with her at all times. What? And then Klum said, I used to, yes. Basically, all of my teeth that I've lost, my mum kept them and there were plenty of teeth. I had the wisdom teeth taken out and then I had an overbite, so I had even more teeth that had to come out. I had too many teeth and they're also so big. Stop saying teeth. So I could never really fully close my mouth when I was young, so I had two removed and then they pushed them back. Why does she have so many teeth in her mouth? What does she mean? How many teeth can one human have? Uh, yeah, it's true. Like there's only so many teeth that are growing in your mouth. I do have to say... As someone who's had teeth issues in the past, my two front teeth are fake because I... Really? I've told you this story. She she jumped into a pool. I dived into into a pool, pool. knocked my two front teeth out when I was 17. Not a a good age for something like that to happen to you when you're already feeling pretty shit. I was on like an extended family holiday, water skiing. It was a long weekend. Couldn't get them fixed for five days. My whole front of my face was grazed. And as you can imagine, fucking stupid family members, no, bless you all, running around trying to like take photos of me. And I was like, no. Was there just nothing? There was like little, little, little (laughs) stubby bits. Stumps. Little stumps. Yeah. Heidi Klum just went and pocketed them. <laughs> yeah. Would have been good luck for Heidi Klum. I just banked my head. Did you? Well, Michelle has banged her head against the wall next to her. Anyway, I don't know how I made this about me, but apparently... It was a good luck charm for Heidi Klum. For me, she said, this was kind of like my good luck charm. I don't know why. It's just something that I did. I'm not quite (laughs) sure why either. Now, truthfully, I did say this story has a lot of layers because I am not nearly finished. Heidi Klum (laughs) was on this podcast to promote a new single that she has just released called Chai Tea with Heidi. I thought you were going to say Chai Teeth. (laughs) No, but it should be Chai Teeth with Heidi. This, do you want me to read you some of the lyrics? Yeah. It's with Snoop Dogg. Since when is Heidi doing pop music? Since 2006. I googled it for oh, you. Oh, wow. Now, this is a little duet with Snoop Dogg where the lyrics go as follows. Ladies, can I talk to y'all for a minute? Yes, ready, set, stand, where the light be. You know it's lit when it's Snoop Dogg and Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> the walk mean, fierce, feisty. Girl, you're hot. You're sweet like chai tea. <laughs> <laughs> 
what is this? So it's being used. I can't remember if I said this already. I don't know where I am in this story. It's being used as a lead song for Germany's Next Top Model. You hadn't said that, but oh. thank you for the extra context. I have so many thoughts. One of them is I understand that Heidi might be lonely while travelling the world as a supermodel. Must she reach for the baby teeth as the thing to keep her feeling comfy? Has she heard of like a childhood teddy, a blanket, a photograph of a loved one? I I don't mind it. People do have little, you know how people have little pouches for their baby teeth and they keep them forever? But they don't travel with them, Zara. If you had travelled with your baby teeth, maybe at age 17 when you knocked your two front teeth, you could have replaced them so easily. (laughs) Thank you for that. Anyway, I was actually more interested in chai tea with Heidi, but you're clearly still fixated on the tea. I don't think I'm ever recovering from the tea thing. Come on. Anyway, what else we got? My, my fifth story. Hamish Blake and Zoe Foster Blake to jump on the couch for Celebrity Gogglebox Australia. That is from Media Week. Guys, for the first time ever in Australian TV, there will be a one-off special episode of Gogglebox to launch the regular Gogglebox season. It will include exclusively celebrities, two of which have just been revealed, Hamish and Zoe. Yeah, so you are absolutely right. It is just a special episode. I feel like there's been a tiny bit of misreporting around about this where people are sort of wondering whether it's a full season or whatever. It is a special episode and you're right, they did manage to nab a Hamish and Zoe quite to the get given Hamish has a pretty hefty contract with Channel 9 for Lego Masters Yeah, and this is not with Channel 9. So this show will premiere on March 2 at 7.30 on Lifestyle. What is Lifestyle? Lifestyle? Oh, you're not a Foxtel kid. You would never oh, know. No, but I'd like, do people still watch that? Yeah, I would say a lot. My mum watches it yeah, on they... Foxtel because they, it goes on Foxtel before it goes on Channel 10. Does it? Yeah, so I think there's a day between it going on Foxtel and then going to Channel 10. I didn't know that. Anyway, so as you said, Mish, it is being used to promote the newest season of Gogglebox. We are heading into our 15th season of Gogglebox. Whoa. I love heaps. it. If I was to go on any reality show, it would be Gogglebox a thousand percent. Although, yeah, no, actually 1000% I would. I was like, I don't know if I would say the nicest things about the things going on on my television. It's a bit exposing. Yeah, but it's kind of like very human because I love how they then flip between the houses and you do see a lot of people have the same ideas and then they normally show a different perspective yeah. of someone who actually loves that person on the TV. So I don't know. I really get around Gogglebox. It's, I'm impressed that they got Hamish and Zoe. I am supremely impressed as well. Personalities who have also been rumoured to be attached to the project include Anthony Kalia and husband Tim Campbell. I can see that happening. Mm-hmm. Also fashion designer Alex Perry. Now these are completely unconfirmed rumours, but... What the makers of the show have said is that they don't want to just get random celebrities and plonk them together. They want them to be famous duos like Anthony and Tim. So I can't wait to see what this will be like. This will be really good. Yeah, I'm pumped and I'm impressed and I can't wait to watch. My sixth story, Army Hammer and estranged wife Elizabeth Chambers are slowly figuring things out as a couple. That is from People magazine. Now, before we jump into the latest update, Excuse the semi-lengthy run-up to this story because there's a lot of context we need to give. And if you guys missed this story or don't really remember the details from this time last year, you probably need that 
before we get into it. Yeah, absolutely. So a quick refresher, Army Hammer is that B-grade Hollywood actor that you might recognise from films like The Social Network and Call Me By Your Name. In January last year, he hit headlines because he was accused by multiple women of a range of offences. They ranged all the way from non-consensual BDSM, emotional abuse, physical violence and rape. The women said that these instances of alleged violence occurred between 2016 and 2020 when Army was still married to the mother of his two children, television personality Elizabeth Chambers. Yeah, when these allegations were shared by news outlets and across social media last year, many people also wanted to discuss Army Hammer's apparent or alleged fetish for cannibalism as well as his desire to brand the women he was sleeping with, which made this one of the darkest and most confusing stories we covered on Shameless last year. Yeah, it's hideously dark and it's got darker the more details have come out. I think at the start the general consensus about this story was like, oh, a bit weird and a bit quirky. And then as the days and the months went by, it just got really dark. Yeah, for sure. So through his attorney at the time, we do need to include Army's statement. The lawyer said these assertions about Mr. Hammer are patently untrue. Any interaction with this person or any partner of his were completely consensual in the way that they were fully discussed, agreed upon and mutually participatory. Now, Elizabeth Chambers, Army Hammer's wife, did leave him. It It was actually months before this controversy came out in 2021. They split in the middle of 2020, reportedly because she received a raunchy text message from her husband that was not intended for her initially. So she probably cottoned on to some alleged infidelity. She left him. And then Zara, we're kind of up to where we are now. Yeah, exactly. He was dropped by his whole team, Mitch, like his talent management agency, his agent, the PR people didn't even want to do work on him. Mm. And he also attended a sex, drug and alcohol treatment facility until December. Now, reportedly after leaving that facility, Army is back with his kids and estranged wife who may not be his estranged wife anymore. A source close to the family told people Elizabeth's priority has always been her children and their well-being. The past year hasn't been easy, but she and Army have always had love for each other. They're slowly figuring things out as a couple, but being parents to their two kids will always come first. A second source added, Elizabeth has always loved him. He really is the love of her life. They obviously had a lot of issues, but Army's rehab stay showed that he was committed to big changes. They get along and enjoy hanging out with the kids. If anyone's wondering why are we reading out unnamed sources? People has really led the charge on this Army Hammer story. They led the charge on the divorce announcement or the separation announcement initially as well. They are very, very well connected and reputable when it comes to the Army Hammer story. I also wouldn't just be surprised if perhaps Army and Elizabeth are breadcrumbing us yes. right now, just to sort of slowly hint so the news isn't quite as shocking maybe when it comes mm. out later that they are back together. Yeah. A big yikes energy from me. Big yikes. I think that's that. fair. Yeah. My seventh story, Andy Lee reveals his worst celebrity interview with a pop rat who insisted on eating a sandwich on air then swore at his co-host's dad. That is from the Daily Mail. <laughs> I love how there's a bit of clickbait in this headline. <laughs> so Andy Lee appeared on Fitzy and Whipper on Tuesday to talk about how... Oh, we can get Ooh, a drum roll. Drum I'm roll. sure I have a sound effect somewhere here. <laughs> I just don't know how to work them. Justin Bieber was the worst celebrity interview he can remember. Before I tell you this story, I kind of want to read how Daily Mail led with the story. 
Radio presenter Andy Lee has lifted the lid on his disastrous 2015 interview with pop star Justin Bieber. Lee was scheduled to interview Bieber on his now defunct Hamish and Andy radio <laughs> problem. program. Sorry, problem. Now defunct. I know that is like technically true, but like now defunct feels especially harsh about a show like Hamish and Andy that is still operating in podcast form. That is one of the biggest shows of all time. Yeah, well, not to get all like dictionary or thesaurus on us, but I consider defunct to be like a, a mixture of no longer in existence, but also the idea of because it didn't work yes, anymore. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Like it's a functional thing. This is defunct because it didn't work. It wasn't functioning how it should and therefore it was pulled. Hamish and Andy's our most successful, maybe along with Kyle and Jackie O, most successful radio duo of the like modern era. How could they write now <laughs> defunct Hamish and Andy? Anyway, so now defunct radio host Andy Lee said that <laughs> Bieber was one of the least favourite guests he's ever had on the show because he was, as I quoted before, a brat. He said that Bieber rocked up late. He said during the interview he was eating a sandwich to which Andy was like, hey, shall we pause the interview while you finish the sandwich? And Justin Bieber was just like, no. <laughs> he also said, which I found quite funny, is the record company when they were setting up the interview were like, Justin really wants to play table tennis, so can you find a way <laughs> to play table tennis in this interview? So Hamish Blake's dad apparently is a bit into like the mini <laughs> tennis game, so was paired up with Justin to play. And then they said that Justin got so into the game and was so serious about it that he swore at <laughs> Hamish's dad that they needed to cut out. Here's a snippet from that conversation between Fitzy and Whipper and Andy Lee. But he went and did a rooftop after it, right? Yeah. And obviously there's Bieber mania. And I always feel bad ragging on people that have come in because you never know what day they've had and all yes. that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So, and but obviously at a time of his life where he's getting flown around and getting screamed at by girls, that is. Uh, in, in, <laughs> but he's playing this, this rooftop uh, gig and they're singing along with his song. And he went, stop, 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 stop. No one came here to hear you. Oh! <laughs> oh my <laughs> it's so brutal. It's so 2015 Justin Bieber. I would like to think it's not 2022 Justin Bieber. You will always defend Justin no, Bieber on Shameless. I will not defend him. There is just something about him where I think these days he might have an okay heart. Yeah, maybe. look, that's fair. I think when I think back to the Billie Eilish doco, it showed quite a sweet, loving version of Justin Bieber, which was refreshing to me because having researched him for a Scandal episode, Zara, and obviously in our line of work, we often talk about Justin Bieber and I rarely warm to the guy. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that might be fair. My eighth <laughs> and final story for today's Quick and Dirty. Peep this royal disaster of a typo on 10,000 Queen's Jubilee mugs. That is from Junkie. If you missed it, this year is the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. It is celebrating her 70th year as the Queen. Yes, exactly, Michelle. Now... A manufacturer tried their absolute darndest <laughs> to capitalise off the event by producing some some quaint little mugs to <laughs> celebrate and they had nearly 11,000 made but unfortunately there was just one problem. There was a bit of a typo <laughs> now. And now apparently we are celebrating the Queen's Platinum Jubbly. <laughs> <laughs> jubbly spelled J-U-B-B-L-Y. <laughs> Queen's Jubbly. There's something so unsexy about the word jubbly as well. It reminds me of wobbly and then I think of jelly. <laughs> jubbly. I just love this as well because apparently the listing for the crockery, 
acknowledged a slight typo <laughs> and said on arrival at Southampton Docks a few weeks ago upon inspection, it became apparent that there was a slight printing error, which now leaves these without a home. They then added the idea that it was still, the mugs were still, I mean, a piece of history which will increase in value <laughs> over time. Dare I say, the three of us try to go get a jubbly mug. I reckon we hop online after this recording and we secure ourselves three pieces of history. <laughs> what if I told you I already did? <gasps> I know. Oh my I, this is the best part about Michelle never fucking checking her bank statement. But there's 180 AUD worth of mugs on there. How many worth mugs it. did you buy? <laughs> Only three. They were so expensive, but I thought you would think it was worth it. Do I think it's worth it for a hundred and You know what? I do. I do want a <laughs> jubbly mug. It was all in the shipping. And when I got to the shipping, I was like, oh, do I keep going or not? And then I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll do it. They say it might increase in value. This could be like buying a house. Where did you buy these? <laughs> on the website. Oh my God. I don't know when these are going to arrive, but... Whenever they have them, we'll make sure we have a cup of tea out of the Platinum Jubbly mugs. When is the actual, like, jubbly it's... ceremony? It's already been. <laughs> no, so the jubbly is this whole year. <laughs> it's a whole year of jubbly. So you know what this means? And I'm making us do it. Every episode recorded in 2022, I can see a glass of water there, Zara. That's being drunk out of a Platinum Jubbly mug that's... for the rest of the year. There you go. Done. So that's, that's how we actually get cost per wear or cost per <laughs> yeah. use out of these fucking mugs. The most expensive mugs to ever exist. Uh, is that all you've got for me? That's all I've got. I love that you spent $180. $60. Good business on, decisions. Um, $60 shipping. each. On shipping. Can we write this off on tax? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm, I better. Coming up after the break, what the hell is going on between Kim and Kanye? But first, a word from today's sponsor. This week, the complicated divorce between Kim and Kanye spilled out over onto Instagram where Kanye accused Kim of, among many other things, keeping his kids from him and parenting in a way he doesn't quite approve of. Kim, who has stayed pretty quiet as her ex-husband has also pretty recklessly blasted her over the last few months, responded on her own Instagram stories saying Kanye's consistent attacks have been hurtful and that he has been making the divorce proceedings almost impossible. It's really complex when a family's private tensions are made public. It's a little more complex when one party has a pretty layered history of mental ill health. So how do we make sense of it all? Mish, I think to do that, we probably need to recap step by step how we even got here because I know even myself consuming this story over the last week or two, I haven't quite worked out what's happened before what. I've just seen a million different headlines. So it took me a bit to really make sense of the timeline. Yeah, for sure. It's a bit of a puzzle. So you guys might remember a couple of weeks ago on Shameless, we did cover some recent drama surrounding Kim and Kanye because Stormy Webster and her cousin Chicago, Chicago is Kim and Kanye's child, had a joint birthday party. Now, Kim did not invite her ex-husband to that birthday party. He then went on social media to explain how upset he was that he wasn't invited and added that Travis Scott eventually sent him the address and let him into festivities. Yeah, so there was that. And now in the last week, even more has kind of unfurled. Last week, 
Kanye blasted Kim again, complaining about their eight-year-old daughter North having a TikTok account. Now, this is not necessarily a new account. We've spoken about this account on the show before. It's a joint account between Kim and North. You'll remember very famously when North went live and filmed Kim in bed and Kim's like, you're not live right now, are you? Anyway, confusingly, about it's now, even though the, the account's been live since November, that Kanye has taken issues with the fact that North is on TikTok. Yeah, on Instagram he wrote, since this is my first divorce, I need to know what I should do about my daughter being put on TikTok against my will. With that, he posted a pretty blurry screen grab of North from her most recent video and shared that to his 11 million Instagram followers. This might be a good time-ish to remind the listeners as well that this isn't the first time Kanye has kind of pulled his kids into the public eye when having a go at kind of the wider Kardashian family. You may remember in June 2020 when he was fleetingly running for president, Kanye told the world at his first political rally that he and Kim had considered an abortion when she was pregnant with their first child, North. North being, of course, the same child we're talking about in the context of TikTok. Yeah, and that incident definitely marked kind of like the very rapid downfall of the marriage. It wasn't very long after, I think maybe half a year, that we actually got a divorce announcement in the tabloids. So... There is history here. Not long after Kanye's post, Kim responded with a statement of her own on her Instagram stories. It is long, but I think it's worth really reading this out and covering most of it. She wrote, Kanye's constant attacks on me in interviews and on social media is actually more hurtful than any TikTok North might create. As the parent who is the main provider and caregiver for our children, I am doing my best to protect our daughter while also allowing her to express her creativity in the medium that she wishes with adult supervision because it brings her happiness. She went on to say that the divorce process has been incredibly difficult and that, I quote, Kanye's obsession with trying to control and manipulate our situation so negatively and publicly is only causing further pain for all. Kim went on to say that she's always wanted to create a healthy and supportive co-parenting relationship that would benefit the children, but that Kanye, and I quote, continues to make it impossible every step of the way. She ended the note by saying, I wish to handle all matters regarding our children privately and hopefully he can respond to the third attorney he has had in the last year to resolve any issues amicably. Mm, That was not the end of things. Kanye fired back again. He posted on his Instagram page, what do you mean by main provider? He went on to accuse Kardashian of trying to, and I quote, kidnap his daughter on her birthday, referring to the time that he was not invited to Chicago's birthday party. He went on, you put security on me inside of the house to play with my son, then accused me of stealing. I had to take a drug test after Chicago's party because you accused me of being on drugs. West ended by calling out Tracy Romulus, a close friend and team member of Kim Kardashian, saying, stop manipulating Kim to be this way. We also should add as well, a couple of days ago, Kanye responded again. And truthfully, I imagine between the time we're recording and the time this goes live, there might be more additions Mm. to this. But he also said, yesterday, Kim accused me of putting a hit out on her. So there's so much going on here, I think. And it is an incredibly tough one for so many people to consider because you've got so many elements going on. I think the first thing that you and I have been talking about, Mish, in the last sort of few days is what does it mean to be divorced and separated from your partner? Because surely that means that you don't have access to your children 24-7. Like that is what you give up, right? I think it absolutely is. If you separate from your partner, 
you acknowledge the difficult reality that you will not be with your kids whenever you want to anymore, that you are two separate entities. And yes, you can co-parent together and figure out whatever dynamic works between you. And obviously I've never been divorced. So I'm sure a bunch of listeners have more insight into this particular topic than any of the women sitting at this table do right now. But surely common sense should prevail that if your partner has her time with your children, you cannot just walk into the house. You cannot just expect an invite to a birthday party. Sometimes divorced relationships or severed relationships require distance from each other. And it's not appropriate for Kanye to just instantly believe that he deserves access to Chicago on her birthday. If that's Kim's day in the custody agreement, that's Kim's day. She can invite whoever she pleases. Yeah, I think on top of all of this, we also should keep in mind that Kanye actually just bought the house across the street from Kim in December. So you could see that as yes, being around and close to the children. But given the breakdown of their co-parenting relationship, you could also probably argue and see how this could also exacerbate everything. Yeah, well, when those headlines came out, it was before the tension with Kim was made known publicly. So I think people kind of saw the, oh, Kanye's living across the street from Kim headline to be, oh, how great for them. They're going to co-parent really well. Knowing that there is existing tension, very intense tension to the point where she has now taken to her social media and told hundreds of millions of people about it, that leaves a sour taste in my mouth. If things are not good between the two of them, things are bad between the two of them and he's buying the house opposite her, I feel pretty uncomfortable about that. Yeah, I think one complicating but really important factor in this story that we have touched on before, of course, is that Kanye has bipolar. And we know this because Kim and Kanye have been really open with us about it. Kanye was first diagnosed in 2016. A series of tweets in 2017 declared he had been off the medication for six months for the sake of his music and his craft. He said, I cannot be on meds and make throne level or dark fantasy level music. Yeah, so we had kind of watched this process of the diagnosis in 2016, the tinkering with medication in 2017 for the sake of creativity, and I'm putting that in inverted commas, and then a full stopping of the medication in 2018. And we know as well that this was difficult for their relationship. Kim did give an interview to Vogue in 2020 where she said that Kanye didn't see medication as an option for him full stop. And obviously if you're living with someone who has an illness, like any illness, whether it's a mental illness or an illness somewhere else in the body that's not the mind – and they're refusing to treat it, that is a very difficult thing to wrangle with because then what happens if that illness doesn't just affect that person, which of course we need to be compassionate about and care deeply about, what happens if that illness begins to affect everyone in that person's orbit? Yeah, and it's like how much then can we talk about the people that have been affected by this? I think it's well worth a conversation. I think the experience of North and Kim in the same way that Kanye's mental illness matters and it's a really important part of the conversation the experience of north and kim here is really important too their experience really matters i can't quite imagine what it would be like for eight-year-old north to grow up and read these headlines about herself or what it would be like for kim who yes has absolutely more resources at her disposal than anyone else going through the same scenario as her to parent amongst the unpredictability Mm. like that would be incredibly stressful it would be incredibly difficult feeling like nothing is private and that any decision that you make or any anything you say could be made public against your will as you try to co-parent. We know that Kanye is happy to release private messages on Twitter and Instagram. That would be a very specific type of stress. Yeah, I was researching for this piece and found a wonderful story in Vogue written by Kate Lever in 2020 when a lot of the first discussions about Kanye's bipolar came out and she wrote this. 
It's difficult with someone like Kanye West to know where his ego ends and his mania begins. Perhaps he can't even tell. When someone is in the throes of a manic episode, they do not tend to know it. Despite more than a decade of living with my illness, I still play a painful game where I try to work out if my mood fluctuations are circumstantial or chemical. I have not significantly hurt anyone in my life, so far as I know, as a result of my illness. I worry them, I baffle them, and I know it hurts them to see me hurt, but I have not caused them pain or embarrassment. I could though. It's entirely possible to say or do something in a manic or depressed time that doesn't belong to the person you feel you truly are. I think that's such a valid point and I do not want anyone struggling with bipolar to listen to this and think, well, fuck guys, like I'm really struggling and if I accidentally hurt the people around me, then I do not want to be made to feel guilty for that. And I don't think you should. I think we all hurt people in our lives. We all go through things and if you have a mental illness, that is compounded and I have huge sympathy for anyone listening with bipolar who feels like maybe they have hurt or embarrassed the people around them. But for me, it's a conversation about, okay, what do we reasonably expect from the people we love? Do we expect them to try to treat the illness that they have been diagnosed with? I think that is a valid conversation. I think that is a valid question because if you refuse to treat it and if you make the decision for yourself that you want a life without medication, without treatment, with the illness at its fullest intensity... What are you saying about the people around you? Are you saying that they just have to cop it? That when you're having a bad bout of bipolar disorder, they will just be on the receiving end and they will be hurt? I'm not sure that's an okay thing. It's also really hard because this is a genuine question that's really hard to ask and probably way harder for people to answer. But I do wonder what we do with men in the public eye in this specific circumstance who are really battling intense mental illness but who also harass their ex-partners who leave them. It's like, what do you do with both of those things? Because I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how to talk about it. I don't know how to deal with it. Because this is not the first time Kanye has really, I would say, harassed an ex in the public eye. He infamously told a radio station that he needed to take 30 showers after dating his girlfriend before Kim, the model Amber Rose, because apparently her dating history somehow made her dirty. In a radio interview in 2020, Amber said that Kanye retaliated after she broke up with him and never got over it. She said, he picked on me for 10 years. He has bullied me for 10 years. He called me a prostitute at his rally. And it's like 10 years later, just leave me alone. I don't bother you. I don't talk to you. And that's what I mean. The overlap between those things is really hard for me because it's like, I don't know what you do with that Mm. or how you even kind of make sense of that. Yeah. And I'm guessing some people listening might be like, well, maybe he has justified concerns about his daughter being on TikTok. And maybe that is a valid conversation that a young girl shouldn't be on TikTok. And maybe that's something for him and Kim Kardashian to talk about and really have a robust conversation about. I don't have prominent feelings about whether or not Northwest should be on TikTok or not, if it's under the supervision of an adult and a parent. What I would say, though, is Kanye West is still a billionaire. Kanye West is an incredibly well-connected celebrity with a wealth of tools at his disposal to get the outcome he wants in his co-parenting relationship with Kim. Must he take to social media? Must we repeatedly every year or two years see this onslaught towards people on Kanye's social media accounts? I just refuse to believe that when it comes to Kanye West, his only option is to use social media to drag the people in his orbit. Yeah, I do agree with that. And I am very interested in where our listeners sit with it all. Guys, that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening to The World's 
biggest cricket daddy. <laughs> we are on TikTok at shameless underscore podcast, on Instagram at shameless podcast. Michelle, anywhere else they can go? No, just have a good day, guys. Go for a stroll. Be with your loved ones, drink your water. What else, Annabelle? Annabelle, anything to add? No, apart from having a jolly, jubbly day, which <laughs> I've, I've been thinking about since that segment. Have a jubbly day. Have a jubbly day. You need to start thinking about our middle names oh, for no. the quick and dirty intro, my gal. The pressure. The, the pressure. pressure. Guys, we will be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. Bye.